What is going on, everyone? Hope you all are doing great. Welcome once again to another live show. The last live show we're going to do for 2023. I know the kind of holidays are starting, so kind of going to take a break, a well-deserved break from this year. But first of all, I want to thank each and every one of you that tunes into the live show or listens to our podcast or follows us on social media. We really appreciate it. This is for you guys. We hope you enjoy it. We always welcome constructive criticism. We always welcome feedback. You can reach us through social media, Bass Kayak and Beers. You can email me at BassKayakAndBeers at gmail.com. We gladly like to hear from you guys. So if you're tuning into the live, welcome. We're going to have a great episode for you today, guys. Let us know where you're watching from. Um, and if you have any questions on any of the topics that we're going to be talking about, Feel free to put it up on the comments. We already got, we already got Albert Rock. Keep up the awesome work, Armando. Hope you and everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you, Albert. Same to you. And it's just not just me. Of course, we got Dan Perry, host and co-host of the Advanced Kayak Angler, along with new addition to the team. I shouldn't say new addition to the team because you've been doing it for, well, like two months now, Kurt? Uh, Yeah, yeah, about two months. Yeah, you've been uh, helping out with uh, the Advanced Kayak Angler as a co-host. It's been going great. I can, uh, and I'm not just saying this because you are here. Uh, since you got on, and no disrespect to Dan, because Dan does great, does amazing. But that uh, give and take that you guys have, the conversation, having that level or element of you coming in, I've seen the uptick in in our YouTube channel. I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen it on our plays in the MP3 format, and I've seen it on the comment sections. We're definitely glad you're here. We had to bring a, I had to bring an actual pro to the advanced kayak angler show. <laughs> he is the advanced, he is the advanced kayak angler. I'm the kayak angler. Candy <laughs> too, the ladies. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much. I mean, that's you guys make me feel more than welcome. I really appreciate that. Nah, man, we welcome to the team. Uh, before we get started, how was everybody's week or weekend? Dan, I'll start with you. What's up with you? Have you gone fishing? What's new? No, I do. I haven't been fishing in a month and a half, I guess, since oh all, in, all in November oh I haven't God. fished. Yeah. Just with house stuff, you know, moving back into our house and painting and everything else. And, just, and then the kid, he has a hockey tournament this weekend, so hockey started up. You know, he does that two or three days a week, so it's, yeah, just just been busy. Hopefully on the 16th. I've got a day carved out to go fishing and I might, I, cause I actually don't tell the wife, but I just got hummingbird 360. Heck yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't put it on yet, but, uh, yeah, I, I got that. I need to put that on tomorrow. My kayaks are still down my mother-in-law. So I'm bringing them up here. I got my garage side cleaned out. I got a new kayak rack. I bought two new kayaks. Well, used when some, some guy was, I mean, to go on a whole thing here, but a guy was selling two uh, Jackson Cruise 12s for like, for 600 bucks. So that. And, yeah, I was like, yeah, I had sold my Jackson bike because that thing sucks. And then uh, oh, so cool. I, I got two, two Cruises. <laughs> like, it, it just didn't paddle very well, you know? It's like a flat, very barge-like. Like, you know, it just, it didn't glide. 
it didn't, you know, it didn't paddle well. So I want a good paddling like creek boat. So, uh, so now me and my wife, and my kid has a skipper, but, uh, I bought a rat hummingbird, um, a racket academy. So I put that together. So now I'm very organized. I'm, I'm excited. It gave me a chance. We're moving out and then moving back in. Now I got all my stuff organized in my garage. I, I got to go through everything. So it's kind of a refresh. I, I like it. You know, that's awesome, man. Kurt, what about you? Uh, you know, I've been rigging my, re-rigging my kayak and redoing all electrical stuff on it. And I got everything wrapped up to the point. I'm waiting, still waiting on some lights. But I got everything wrapped up so I can get on the water today. And I mean, I, I ain't gonna lie, I smashed them today on the Ohio River. Now these are Ohio River spots. Yeah, I smashed them. You don't catch you don't catch fish like over eighteen inches normally. That's like that's like you catch an eighteen incher. That's like a twenty three. You know, on the for where I live on the Ohio River. But it was, I mean, it's still fun for me. I, in my area, it was like it was like a really good day of fishing. So I. I and I was catching really big crappie too, off like hmm. in two feet of water. I was like, "Why are you yeah. guys picking out?" Oh, and the crappie were almost bigger than the bass. I mean, these were like giant crappies. Yeah, I, I, and it's on the Ohio River, so you never know, right? I mean, you just—it's fish move in, fish move out. They're multi-species, but man, it was just such—it was a cool day. It was—it was fun. It was fun. It was nice to get my kayak all rigged, hit the water, and not have to like on the water messing with stuff you know what i mean because a lot of times re-rig you go out and you gotta like mess with it i got out and just everything worked like it was supposed to and it was all but but besides the new transdu uh live scope transducer what what else did you do different so i i redid all my electrical stuff and moved it around so everything is actually like secure and in place last year before the season started uh I ran out of time with my rigging because my work picked up and I just didn't have time to really polish it out. So I kind of just made a big rat's nest and jammed it in my hole and just left it for a whole season. So when I came back to it, I was like, I want to do the Tim Percy delete plates for my rod tubes and my PA. Oh yeah. And I moved moved some switches around and I got the electrical all straightened out. So now I don't have any uh power wires on the bottom of my hole of my kayaks and any water everything's up out of the water i got two live scope transducers hooked up and i got them placed really well so they're not like making my boat lean to one side because those black boxes kind of weigh a little bit you know so it's nice getting everything straightened out you know so you have two live scope transducers wow yeah you missed a big spender for what is it like scout and perspective or you just use them at the same time Exactly. So it's it like so in 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 Garmin's terms, it's perspective and then uh, forward. So I have one set forward, so I can see in deep water and in front of me, and then the other one is perspective, so I can see in shallow water and get that nice like pie shaped view of what's happening. So I all I have to do with my Garmin unit is hit hit you know you have four preset buttons. I just hit one of two of those preset buttons when I change depths of water. Huh. Now that's going to be good subject to talk about because uh we're going to be talking about uh randy randy blockett yeah, block last name uh take uh we but i wanted to start off with uh with ben milligan's video that he posted not his latest video but he posted like a week ago talking about the 30 little secrets for from the business side of bass fishing um i thought it was an interesting video i'll tell you what i liked and what i 
really didn't like about the video, and I'll let you guys chime in and give me your take on it. But one thing that I really liked about the video, first of all, Ben Milliken has proven time and time again, he's a smart, savvy man. He knows what he's talking about. He's very savvy. He's very smart. He's an accomplished uh, content creator. He is now an elite angler. So he checks out all the boxes. Like, if there's somebody that qualifies to talk about all these things, I give him props. He's one of them. Total respect to what he's done. Um, his videos were, his video, if you haven't seen it, and I recommend anybody that hasn't seen it, you can go ahead and check it out. Um, again, it's the one where he has like Randy Blockett's face crying, which I think that's my pocket, <laughs> but whatever. And then I think Jacob Fultz also plays crying. It just says exposing, something like exposing dirty secrets, of bass fishing business side, whatever, something like that. But, um, Basically, he outlines how big corporations, uh, I forgot the term he used, uh, God, I had it on my mind, uh, private and uh, equity companies kind of have their stake now on fishing. Well, they haven't for years, but it's now bigger since COVID. Um, and how that kind of affects negatively the bass fishing industry. Uh, and I, I do have to say, this private equity, thank you, Albert. I do have to say, this is one it's kind of one-sided. This is coming from the perspective of Ben Milliken, who is part owner of Six Sense, and it is being directly, adversely affected by the presence of companies. Your vision where he doesn't call them out by name, but yet the logos are spread out all over uh, the video, kind of when he talks about uh, you know the negativity of it. It really is a shot at pure, uh, at pure fishing. Uh, for better or worse. Um, what I find interesting about the video, again, the video is very entertaining. It is very well, um, very organized thoughts, very easy to understand what he's talking about. It's not complicated. It is, to a certain point, funny. And I give him props. The video, at uh, that part of the video, I actually liked and appreciate the video. What I would add to the video is, first of all, it, like I mentioned, it is kind of one-sided. It does say what the negativity of this big corporation money uh, are when it gets involved in in bass fishing. And for the most part, everything that he outlined, I'll say for the most part, is close, if not 100%. But it's really all the negativity about it. And that's not the whole side of the story. The other thing, it is really a lesson in what um, capitalism is. What he explains, you can apply to every single industry in this economy. For better or worse, our nation is built on capitalism. It is what's made the United States the global powerhouse financially for the last hundred years or so. It's what, it's what we do. It is how they operate. If you're worried about how this affects bass fishing, I got news for you. If you think they're doing this with non-essential products, Think about the essential products, your groceries, your medical bills, gas, uh, gas expenses. Every time you go to a gas pump, all of those things are affected by private equities and big corporations. If you're going to lose sleep over what private equities are doing, it's not going to be about what they're doing in bastards. <laughs> Trust me, there's a lot more important things in your life that are negatively affected by big corporations than bass fishing, and you should worry about those. But it is everything he said about the negativity of it, I think it's 100% right. 
it is outlined, I think, very smartly. Uh, and again, I recommend anybody that haven't seen it, go watch it. It is heavy on the adult language. If that bothers you, then I don't recommend watching it. But if you're okay with that, go ahead and watch it. It's a very entertaining video, very informative. The other thing that I wanted to say, like I mentioned, it is one-sided. This is from the perspective of somebody that's being hammered uh, as a part owner of Six Sense, a small company, by pure fishing, for example. And he's struggling, you know, to survive in this doggy dog eat economy while being the little Yorkie and every and pure fishing being that big pit bull around the uh, the bowl, you know. So there's still a lot of positivity that comes with private equities and corporate investments in bass fishing. It's all not and not it's not just negativity. When it comes sponsorship money that is bigger than it's ever been. Now, I am not an expert on the board tournaments. I am not a board tournament. I don't even watch board tournaments. To me, bass fishing is not a spectator sport, or, although I do respect people who watch it and are fans of it. If you enjoy round fan, yeah, go watch it. It's just not for me as a spectator. I love fishing it. I love competing in it, but I don't compete in basketball tournaments. I compete in kayak tournaments where the payouts have increased. And part of it is the influx of these private equities and uh, big corporations investing money in it. Why supposedly, as he outlines in the video, it hasn't translated to tournament fishing? I think that's more of a question for the tournament anglers. I don't think that's pure fishing responsibility to take care of the payouts. I think you have to talk to MLF, MPFL, and Bassmaster. Why, according to him, and I don't know for a fact, but I'm trusting him on this one, when he says the payouts have not increased over the last decade or so. I believe him when I said that, but I don't think that has to have some. They have some. Okay. So apparently yeah, at, at the rate of the growth of the sport. Yeah, like last year, Bassmaster, they used to do ten thousand dollars down to fiftieth place and now last year I believe it was to like either fifty fifth or sixty. Mm -hmm. So it was like an you know, it's an extra hundred thousand dollars per event that they were paying out. And if you do that over nine events, I mean it's you know, it's a lot of money. But. So let me ask you this, Kurt and Dan, do you feel that from the standpoint of a basketball tournament, strictly about that, because you guys know know more about that than I do. Does big private equities, big corporation investing in this industry affect negatively in some way? What ways does it affect negatively? What ways does it affect positive? So I, I you know, honestly, I can't speak about the bass boat tournaments. Uh, you know, I, I'm a kayak guy. I started I started fishing kayaks. Uh, I never owned a boat. You know, I have a few friends that have motorboats, but we all end up fishing in our kayaks. So, and I've never done a motorboat tournament. But what I can relate to in that Milligan's video to myself personally is private equities coming in, buying a company up, and then there's changes, right? And let's face it, when you're on the pro staff or you're sponsored by these guys, we're kind of low guys on the totem pole. Yep. Right. I mean, let, let, just being real, just being real, we're kayak guys. Most of us don't have the presence of Kevin Van Dam or or some other big names from the motorboat side. So we're low man on the totem pole. And like in the like he says in his video, what happens when they first buy a company? Well, they're looking at places they can save money that first year. Pretty much pro staff is going to be gone. Yep. Especially if you're on the side of pro staff where they're giving you some money or they're heavily giving you product or you're costing them money. That's you're probably going to be the first thing cut, 
That's just how it goes. And unfortunately, we're seeing it in the kayak world, right? Hobie got bought. Maui Jim, another one of my sponsors got bought. I know, really? Yeah, they did. And, and you know, I'm a big Maui Jim fan. I'm still a big Maui Jim fan. We got let know. We got let go this year. The whole program got cut. Oh, really? they, they, they didn't keep anyone. They didn't keep a single person. They cut everybody. You know, but they just got bought. I mean, I kind of knew it was coming as soon as I heard that they were that they sold. I was like, "Uh oh, here it comes!" Because now we go from Maui Jim being owned by a guy named Jim, right? I mean, quite frankly, it was a single owner company, and then it moved into private equity, which is a group of investors buying it, and they're very much profit driven. And I and I can understand their perspective, you know, but being that low guy in the totem pole, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, you know, Mm-mm. losing a sponsor never feels good. Losing someone who gives you money never feels good. Losing, you know, and it's not even just the money side of it for me. You know, I was uh, friends with the pro- the guy who I dealt with for the pro staff side of it and the sponsorship. I was friends with those guys. You know what I mean? And now, you know, I still talk to both of the guys, but now you just don't you, you don't interact with them as much. You know, and they both still work there, good guys, but. You know, I, I can relate to what's what he says in there and how that's affecting the industry. Is it good or is it bad? Because in a couple of years, things are going to change. Now, Maui Jim is going to have more equity. They're going to have more money to do stuff in the future. What how they how they spend their money? Is it going to be on fishing? I don't know. It really depends on where they feel like their future is and where they can get their growth from. So it's good and bad. Yeah, I have heard of a few people in the motorboat side who have gained sponsorship when private equities came in, they got rid of everybody except for a couple anglers. And then those couple anglers got more money, more their pie, their share of the pie got bigger when everyone else lost their share. So for a few, it's like few people, it's helped them, right? But for the vast majority, when private equity first moves in, that pretty much means you're going to lose your spot. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, and, 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 go ahead. Now, when you said pure fishing, you said pure fishing, right? Well, pure yeah. fishing, that, there's a ton of people on their pro staff now. Private equity came in, bought those companies up, and they have a monster pro staff. I mean, it's a monster machine of pro staff, right? So there's a lot of people who are getting a discount or some type of sponsorship from pro from pure fishing. That, and that's helping a lot of people, and that's ended up being a private equity type situation. And and that's what I wanted to touch on, because like I said on the video, everything that you said, he kind of said on the video, well, the negative part about it, you know, the pro staff and all that. And that's and he's absolutely right about that. I just think people need to understand with this, watch this video. This is from the perspective of part owner of a small company, small business. And I totally understand it. I'm a small business owner myself. So I understand the struggle that comes and the pressure of, you know, big corporations coming into your industry. But there's still what that video fails to show is what you just said. There is a lot of money. And what is some like pure fishing is what is they're doing is they're restructuring and they're maximizing their money. They're going to say, okay, instead of just spreading out, you know, the the money into a bunch of uh, anglers or content creators, we're going to target the ones that have the most power. And that's what capitalism is, and in essence, is the more capital you have, the more you're rewarded with. So 
there is more money coming in. As far as sponsorship or tournament anglers, that is has to do more, I think, with the fact that a lot of these companies, especially pure fishing, are finding that it is more valuable for your brand to spend it on a content creator than it is on a tournament angler. Because not everybody watches a tournament. Hundred millions, twenty millions of people are tuning in, but it's not a 15, 20, 25 minute video dedicated on a bait. So you really don't get to see, you know, your your product being displayed. You might see the logo on the back of the jersey, but that's really about it. So they're finding value in it. And now they're saying, okay, this money that we're still going to get some money out to tournament anglers, but the bigger cut of the pound is going to go to sponsorship. And I get it. Tournament anglers may be adversely affected by it, but there's another side that, and Jacob Fultz made a video about it, and he hit the nail on the head. You know, content creator is the road that it's going to, and you can't blame these companies for doing that because that's each one of us. If you own a business, it's going to say, where can I maximize the money? And that's where you can maximize it. The other can thing, I jump in, can I, can I jump in real quick? You're making a really good point here. And there's something else, and, and here's kind of the ugly truth too. These companies that got bought out, a lot of them have pro staff that has run for a decade or more, right? Mm -hmm. Let's, and, and this is kind of the ugly truth here, and I'm probably going to hurt some people's feelings, and I'm not meaning to do that, but a lot of people who get on some of these legacy pro staff situations, man, they, they're, they're just not doing stuff anymore. They might have like five years ago, 10 years ago, but yeah. you end up with a giant pro staff and there's three people that are actually doing everything that you're that you're actually making money off. And like you said, it's content creation now. We have transitioned because of YouTube and the internet from watching mainstream TV, right? And watching big bass boat tournaments. That was our only outlet to get information. Now we can see everybody's stuff. We can yeah. see Uncle Joe's stuff. We can see Tom's stuff. We can see Uncle Larry's stuff. And who is making the most and best content creation is gonna is gonna start winning out. Now, a lot of people don't want to look at this as a business, but that's what it is. And we are sales. When you are working for these companies, they're literally going, "How much can this guy sell for me?" Yeah. for how much I'm giving them. If I'm giving him $500 worth of product, they have to understand that that has dollar value to the manufacturer. And if he's giving it to you at cost, that's $500 out of his pocket. He wants to return on his investment, just like anybody else, right? When you get any type of other advertising, you're going to spend money and you want to see something come back. That's the ugly truth of it. And you may be a really great angler, but if you can't speak on camera, you don't do any content creation. You're putting yourself at a disadvantage to get your share of that pot. And there's only so many slices and the slices only get so big. It, that's the ugly truth of it now. I mean, and, and it, is, it is what it is. It's, it's just maximizing uh, the return on investment. And I get it. They're, like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying that what Ben is saying is wrong. He's absolutely 100% right. But yeah, there is also right. the good side of it too. Like the advantage of it. And you need... You have to play the game. It's 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 capitalism. It's what it's always been. It's what it's always going to be. And it's not going anywhere. And it's your job. 
<laughs> it's your responsibility to take advantage of it and play the game to your to your advantage. The the main thing that I have with this video, and I don't mean to take a shot at Benford, but inevitably I guess I, I I am taking a shot at it. But I do mean don't I don't mean anything. I respect it. He's a terrible drawer. He a what? Terrible artist. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's he's, a, he's an accomplished content creator, an elite angler. Nobody can deny that. Um, and a savvy, smart businessman. Um, what I didn't like, and that if that video would have ended a minute earlier, I would have been fine with it. I don't like where at the end he kind of says, "Think about what you mean when you say grow the sport." instead of shrinking it, kind of putting it out there for those content creators that are, even though he didn't call out content creators, but basically what he's saying, that phrase, all content creators use that phrase, right? Let's grow the sport, let's grow this, let's grow that. Uh, so the tournament anglers. And to kind of say, oh, tournament anglers, people investing money, think about what you're saying. That is as ironic as it gets, because I can't think of anybody more, uh, I, I, I want to measure my words, but really, I'm just going to say it. More cancerous to the bass fishing industry than Ben Milliken. Ben Milliken has a history of making this type of videos where he disrespects uh, Blockhead and anybody else that has another opinion. He goes into podcasts. He does it on his channel, all for the growth of his brand. And that's the truth. That's the venue or the, the avenue that he has chosen to grow his channel. And I'm not here to criticize it. But the fact of the matter is, he's very divisive when he goes out and disrespects people like Randy Blockett. I watch Randy Blockett's video. I don't always agree with Randy Blockett. But what I do appreciate and what I think people that uh, love watching videos should take from Randy Blockett, even when he's venting about something, he's always putting a smile and showing respect to everybody else's opinion. Very drastic from what Ben Milliken does. That's his choice. But don't tell me that you're looking for to grow, that you're all about growing the bass fishing community when you're being divisive and disrespectful just to prove a point. You can prove your point just like Randy Blockett proves his, tries to prove his point about forward-facing sauna, and yet I've never seen him cursed out or insult or be demeaning or condescending to anybody that has a different opinion on it. As far as I see, maybe there is out there a video and I haven't seen it. So I think that is laughable that he would kind of at the end say that. I also think it is unfair. Now that you're an elite angler and you have your peers that compete the elite, to kind of call them out and say, hey, you know, if you're getting in bed with pure fishing, you're not growing this sport. Because essentially that's what you're saying when, when you say those comments at the end. Everybody has the right to make a leap. Everybody has the right to live out their dreams as a professional bass fisherman and still provide for their family. If there's money out there to be made in sponsorship, whether you're a content creator like Alex Rod, one of my favorite ones, where you're a brilliant mind like Bailey Eidberg, who works for Pure Fishing and is now making a career working in the bass fishing industry, which is what he's always wanted and something that he should be proud of. Whether it's any tournament out, angler out there that is directly tied with Pure Fishing, you should be able to make those choices without being criticized or questioned your moral or ethics. Because just because he owns Six Sense or part owner of Six Sense and he's being hammered by this company doesn't mean that everybody else has to align with it. He took his role to get to where he's at and he should be very proud of what he's been able to accomplish. 
But just because somebody else took a different road to get to where he's at or even higher than where he is right now, uh, doesn't mean their values are less moral or less ethical than yours. As long as you're doing something legal. Content creators that are out there trying to make a living, which we enjoy watching their videos, should be able to make a decision and say, hey, I, this money's coming in. If I don't take it, somebody else will. And guess what? That means I go back to my 95 job, which is probably working for some type of private equity big corporation in some of So I'm not going to judge, and I don't think it's right for him to put it out there, kind of insinuating that if you are partnering up with Pure Fishing or any of the private equity big corporations, that somehow you're not interested in growing the sport. That is unfair and unprofessional. And yeah, but I... Has, a, has made it a career to be divisive in this industry, I think it's just laughable. Uh, now, he made an example at the end where I'm guessing six cents, somebody tried to buy it out, and rather, whatever they couldn't, they took out their soft plastics manufacturer because they knew that they could hurt them by doing that because most companies can't, they can buy soft plastics manufactured from somebody like Missile Bait, Six Cents, all the smaller companies, they all have these you know these manufacturers that do it i know there's one down in ufala alabama that does it but they a lot of companies are having their baits all made at the same place the bigger companies make them on their own overseas or whatever but uh i think you know there are some unfair business practices or unethical like he was saying where they bought out their manufacturer so six cents couldn't compete and you know i'm sure they had to scramble then to get somebody else to make them I think whenever bigger companies like that, and he had a specific example, are trying to do something unethical, you know, if you if Pure Fishing was a company that did that, then you would want to be, you know, you, I mean, if if you're working for Pure Fishing and they did that, I don't know if they did or not. Whoever it was, it sounded like that's who did it. Then, you know, you, you can't be completely happy with the company you work for. But that's not. I mean, I. What I would say to that, Dan, and, and and I don't totally disagree with you, but I question whether it's unethical. If you and I both own a plas a soft plastic bait company, and we're both making a kill during COVID, and now each of us have the opportunity to buy out the company that provides us the the material and says, hey, if I bought it, now I'm a, my own supplier and I can upcharge to my competitor. Guess what? If you don't do it, if I don't do it, Dan's going to do it. So it, it is that it is what capitalism, capitalism is. If, if, if they were making their own baits and they bought at their manufacturer so they couldn't make, so other companies, so well, and this, instead, of, uh, instead of like increasing market share through how good your product is, good sales, good marketing, things like that, you're buying out other manufacturers and to shut out the competition. That's not, that's an unfair business practice. It's not, you know, it's not. I don't. I don't. You know, I don't about business. It's what I would say. It's what capitalism is. I'm not trying to defend it. I understand the yeah. moral, moral or ethic implications about it. Let, let's say what happens. It's not nice. Yes. It, it. It. It's. It. Is it ethical? Not really. But when it comes to business, and you start talking to real business guys, man, they're sharks. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and they find a way. That's that's what they do. 
it's not pretty, it's not nice, but this is what like kind of drives our economy now. Now, Ben Milligan, he's upset, Bill Milligan, he's upset that it happened to him, right? Because he's talking about his experiences and stuff. Now, if it didn't happen to him, he wouldn't be as upset about it if it happened to one of his competitors, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, and ultimately, it may make him a better businessman. And it may make his company stronger because maybe, uh, you know, and I have no idea his situation here, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, when competition drives you and pushes you extra hard and you find a way through it and remain profitable, generally speaking, you're in the stronger end of it. You end up being stronger for that experience. Now, would I want that to happen to me? No. No, of course not. No, it's not friendly. It's not nice, you know. Um and when you start talking like big business where these guys may not fish, they may be making decisions solely off of spreadsheets, solely off of bottom line, how many dollars do we put in, how many dollars do we get out, have no feelings about the industry that they're in. They're just in it for the money. Um, you're going to see stuff like that happen. You know? We saw it with the, with the Nessie, you know, we, we alluded that to a previous, I don't know if it was on this podcast or a podcast that I was a guest on. I mean, probably blows on both. You know, we saw, we see how Siemens kind of operated with when they acquired the rights for to make the chatterbait. You know, it, that was ethical. You know, they paid out the angler who invented it. Uh, you know, they settled on a price. They patented it. They worked out with Evergreen when Evergreen had something going on, and they made the jackhammer and and. That is how you do it versus just kind of like, hey, this is this bait is killing it in the JDM world. Why can't well, let's just you know, let's see if we can replicate it and sell it here in the United States. Which, by the way, brings me to another point from the consumer standpoint. And this is with the whatever you feel about copying baits such as the Nessie. Um, as a consumer, there's something you have to understand because on the video, he also kind of tells people, you know. Think about where you invest in your heart and money. Well, let me tell you this for anybody that's watching or listening. If you have the opportunity to buy a soft plastic lightweight, $45 plus chip in a handle, or got the opportunity to buy that same design with uh, some minor upgrades in the components for $12, <laughs> which is what? I don't want to do math, but like one, one third and one fourth of, of what it costs to get it online. Which one are you taking? Now, if you if your moral code tells you no, I want to buy it from the original JDM part, more power to you. I salute you. That's great. But honestly, there's people out there that say, you know, I don't want to spend forty five dollars on a bait that I've never used just to get it hung up at some point and lose it. Probably in the first day that I use it. Well, I can get it for twelve dollars with some minor upgrades to it. So we all as consumers, what we all gripe about how prices go up and quality goes down. Where this is an example of a price going drastically down and a bait, which is actually, at least from what we've seen on videos, I haven't tried it, but seems to have some upgrades to some better quality components. So what I mean, what are we leaning on? I, I get the whole thing, the ethical thing about copying the bait, but as a consumer, I'm also like, you know, which side are we leaning on? Like the Rapala. You had the OSP Doe Live Beaver that I used, and then that was about $12 a pack. Now, Rapala Crush City, Jacob Wheeler's, you know, and Kyle Welter's deal where they have uh, the 
you know, Rapala Crush City Bronco Bug. And it's like $3 cheaper a bag, maybe four. I, I mean, it's it's not like 45 and 12. You know, I mean, the it's it's a lot closer. Although both of them are still too expensive. But, you know, the colors are a little bit better. They're a little bit more U.S.-based. It's a little bit cheaper. It was actually like a little bit bigger size, the first one they came out with. And maybe they'll have a smaller, a junior version eventually. But, like, to listen to... At ICAST, listen, Jacob Wheeler. Oh, we spent two years trying to figure this out. We didn't need always surprise us. Yes, come on. We spent a long year to figure out how to copy it. Just right. the patent. It took us two years to figure out how to, you know, subvert that patent by just enough so it's legal. Yeah, so that that is an example of the negativity. Of private equity but again it's you know I'll, I'll say this again if you're worried about, about private equities worry about what they do with, the, with your grocery list every time you go to the gas pump if you're more worried about what your how where your next uh floral carbon line is coming from more than you're worried about anything else then then you have to get your priorities in check on that one let's talk a little about other videos and dad i, I want to start with you randy Blockett had an interesting video and again, props to Randy Blockett. The guy, even when he's venting, his vibes is smiles and talk about it positive. I don't know that I agree with everything Randy Blockett said about forward-facing sonar. I sent you that video, Kurt. Uh, you probably seen it as well. Kurt, Kurt, I'll ask you, Kurt. One thing that I, let me touch on one thing that I agree with him, and I think it takes away from the angler like when i started bass fishing i think four phrase student was just started so pretty much one percent of the bass fishing population or bass fishing yeah bass angler population had it um you know i whatever i learned it's map studying you know watching patterns reading books reading blogs watching videos and he makes a good point where now if you have this technology it's more about let me learn how to use the techno this technology versus let me know how to learn how to bass fish because now especially on the boat side of the world you can put it in your you know your trans you can put it in your boat scan on your side scan find a brush pile and just throw baits until one of them you know eats it do you agree with that what is your thoughts on it? well i saw the, i saw the video when i first came out and I rewatched it again today, and let's just say I, I don't agree with him. I don't agree with him. I, I think he sounds a little bit like an old cranky guy, and this is coming from an old cranky guy myself, right? <laughs> I, I'm kind of old. I'm a, I'm a little cranky. He comes off as a little. He comes off to me as an old cranky guy who doesn't want to adjust to it. Let me ask you this: How many how many pro anglers are fishing without a fish finder? That's true. How many are fishing without side imaging? I would venture to uh, just keep, inside, I would venture just to keep posturing. <laughs> Maybe keep posturing, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, honestly, you know, when side imaging came out, there was a lot of the same discussion, right? It's making bass fishing too easy. They can they cover too much water too quickly. Now you just got a guy who drives down and down a lake and he can see the whole lake, you know? It was kind of the same argument that was happening with side imaging. 
And now we've gone to the next step and gone to live imaging. So we're seeing in front of us and we're seeing it live. Is that ruining the sport? Because, you know, he has other videos where he's like, it's putting mom and pops out of business. I mean, he's very anti-forward facing. And he acts like it's just like you get it and you start winning tournaments. Well, I mean, news to the newsflash, everybody has it. 90% of the kayak field, I think, now has it. When you go to the big tournaments, I, you know, when I first got it, I was like the only guy like three years ago. Now, it's like, I just turn around and it's just like everybody's got it. Everybody's got it. I know guys who have 360 and forward-facing sonar on their kayaks. I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of technology on your kayaks. And he, he acts like, you know, like I said, like you get it and you just start winning. What it's doing is it's brought in a new set of anglers. And he's also upset that the new kids are winning, right? He's upset a little bit that the younger guys are now starting to take the place of the older guys. And he says, you don't even know how to have to know seasonal movements. Well, guess what? If you don't know seasonal movements, whether you have forward facing sonar or not, you're not going to be around the fish, right? I mean, if you're fishing shallow when they're deep or you're fishing deep when they're shallow, it doesn't matter if you have forward facing sonar, you're not going to see the fish. And here's the other thing now, forward-facing sonar, it allows you to see fish, but it doesn't allow you to catch the fish. It doesn't allow you to necessarily know which, what species of fish is in front of, on a brush pile or near a brush pile or on a rock pile or on a point. And everyone acts like, and, and I use it heavily, like I have two transducers, right? You know, forward and perspective mode. I use it a lot. And since I've gotten it, I've only cashed one check in those three years. I actually have had a worse season, worse seasons, two seasons, but actually my two worst seasons fishing the national circuit since I've got, is it because of the forward facing star? No, it's not. You know, it's, it's, I feel like it's actually helped me. And it's also actually helped me learn how fish react to certain situations. So for me, I've learned some, some things about fish just by watching them on it. Now, there are traps to it, too, though, right? Wow. People get it, and if you find fish that may not be biting. And you can sit there for hours and fish a rock pile that has fish on it and not catch it. So it can actually chew up your time. That's why I put it in. I had it and took it off, and that's that's why. Yeah, yeah. When I first got it, I, I would sit there until I you know caught a fish. And I quickly learned that that's just not the way to use it. You know, and I don't even use it anymore. Hardly. I don't want to say at all, but I don't actually always look for fish. A lot of times I'm able to see some of that structure that's not as easy to see in any other way to see it. Right. Like the side imaging, your down imaging won't pick it up the same way that the perspective mode might show you that there's a subtle rock vein coming out the side. Right. You may not see that any other way than on perspective mode or with forward facing sonar in some other situation that I'll, I won't see fish on that, but I'll end up fishing it and I'll end up catching fish off of it. Cause you know, let's face it. If a fish is glued to the bottom and not moving, it looks like a rock. It just, I mean, if that fish doesn't move, you don't know it's a fish. If it's glued to the bottom. So there, I, I feel like he's a curmudgeon, man. Uh, I mean, long story short, I just ran my mouth for way too long about this. I feel like he's a kind of an old guy who's a little grumpy, man. It comes down to the bottom line. 
Well, I do appreciate that he does. Um, he's very respectful, though. Very, very respectful. Yeah. And, he, and he has a smile on his face. I, I haven't seen all these videos. But the last video that I saw, I mean, he had a smile. It's like I can't be this, this old guy here. I, I have mad respect for Randy Black. And I, get, and, and, and I don't use forward first. Not that I'm against it. I just, I like the, I still feel like I need to learn about bass fish, about bass behavior. Um, before I implement this, and once I get both, I feel comfortable enough. Um, then I'll at some point I'll get it, and also because it's expensive. <laughs> but it, Tyler called Ty Ty called. I'm sorry, made a, a great point. Sorry, Ty, I called you Tyler on my last message. I meant to say Ty. So Ty called makes a, a point that says, "But what if it wasn't such an advantage? Would you see people buy?" like Ben Milliken competing at that level he is. That's an interesting point. If, if it wasn't for that, would we see dominance? If we would take forward-facing sonar from everybody, do you think there would be a change in the pecking order? Yeah, man, and every 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 single Elite Series tournament this year was won using forward-facing sonar, well, that, Inclu including Okeechobee. That's, I, I feel that that's a misinteresting, and I'll, I'll let you go in a second, Kurt, but I wanted to touch on that. I feel that's a misleading um, statement. And I think, I'm not sure, because again, I don't watch the tournament, but what is the percentage of the elite anglers that are using it? Because when you say, well, the top 10% are winning it. Yeah, but what if 90% are using it? So yeah, when we talk about yeah, oh, yeah. numbers by deduction, if, Nine out of ten are using it. Then yes, nine out of ten are going to be in the top ten kind of it, thing. Even like Stephen Kennedy in the grass on Okeechobee was using it in perspective mode as he was fishing like a frog. He was looking at the grass lines and things like that. So everybody's using it, but specific, like specifically how he found him on Okeechobee up the up the river. Whenever he went to like um, what's his Tyler Rivet. He went up the river to go catch some crappie, using forward-facing sonar to get some crappie to go home and bring some fish for his house, you know, for the guys in his house to have a cookout. And he found fish, and that's how he did it, using forward-facing sonar. So, I mean, I'm just saying it's surprising that the events, like Seminole, the second event of the year on the Elite Series was won by Joey Sefuentes out in the stumps out in front of Spring Creek which tournaments have been won on a drop shot like way back in the day, Brett Height. I remember watching an old Bassmaster video and Brett Height was throwing a drop shot and they were freaking out about it on Seminole out there in the stumps. But so it's, it's not like that location was unknown, but I think whenever you have events being won by a new technology, perceived new technology, it's been around for, you know, what, six, seven years now that whenever events are being won in a way than they ever have before, on a different pattern using a technology it's it's really scaring people <laughs> like I, I would say i'm 50 50 on live forward facing sonar i'm not against it i'm not for it i'm i definitely fall in the middle i think whenever i think one thing i hadn't heard talked about a lot is like i went and fished the davis boats davis baits it's their tournament they have it every year on lay lake and live it goes to benefit. You can only use air baits. And I fished with my buddy in his boat. Well, we did okay in the tournament. At you know, if you had ten pounds, it was enough to get in the money, and we had nine. Uh, so we did okay. But all these guys with the big trucks, the big boats, the big everything, 
a lot of these guys are in their 40s and up. They're people that have a lot of disposable income. Yeah. And the people who are the best at forward-facing sonars are the young guys. I think there's a big disparity in age there that, that like, let's say a 20-year age gap between a 20-year-old guy who is excellent at forward-facing sonar because he grew up always knowing a cell phone and everything else, where the older guys, I'm 44, you know, I grew up with Atari. Up until I was 22, I didn't have a 23, 24, I didn't have a cell phone. So, and the people that have the money are in the 40s and up, and the people that are best at forward-facing sonar are in their 20s. I've heard a lot of people say, man, all the money, all the people that spend the money on fishing, most of them are in their 40s and up. All the people that use forward-facing sonar, a lot of them are, you know, 25 and younger. You know, it's a, that's a big age gap of who's spending the money and who's winning tournaments. I think you're really alienating a lot of guys who, who grew up fishing patterns and things like that. And now you have people who are just out fishing schools. And it's easier to do on a boat because you can move around quicker. I think I, I think in kayaks, I believe it's a little bit less of an advantage. Yeah. Personally, um, you know, I, so that's why I'm saying I'm not for it. I'm not against it. But I think that's something that most people haven't talked about. You're the sports alienating a lot of people with the money. Yeah. And they're, they're not winning tournaments like they used to be. Eventually, those people are going to say, well, to hell with it. I'm selling my boat and, and Hummingbird and Lawrence and Garmin, y'all can all go to hell. Yeah, and it, that I want to talk about Jacob Fultz's video on that because he, he, you know, he kind of broke it down to point that it costs him money. But before I go to that, Kurt, I wanted to get your thoughts on what um, Ty Cobb said. Where do you would you do you think there's going to be if we took forward facing sun up for everybody? Do you think there's going to be a drastic change in the pecking order? I'm not just talking about one one single people moving up, one single people, one individual moving down. Do you think it would completely turn over Who's, as far as AOI and winnings and, and all that? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think it would have a dramatic effect. The guys that are that are leading the AOI, and and I know that a lot of it's like they keep saying the young guys, that, that they're so much better at it. I mean, I feel like that's a little bit of an excuse. Right? Yeah. You, you know, it, or on average, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on an average. But if you... I feel like so many people have it. So many people have access to it now. The guys who are older have the money to get it. They could be using it. I don't know that, you know, I don't go to motorboat tournaments, so I don't really see that aspect of it. Um, but it, it, it's always the young guys that are coming in who are making a name for themselves who are causing the disruption, right? You know what I mean? These young guys, they're just hungrier. They're working harder. Those are the guys that would rise to the top anyway. Would there be a few outliers maybe that would disappear if we didn't use forward-facing sonar? Absolutely. But I think for the most part, the guys who are winning now would be winning if they didn't have it because they'd be working harder and they're in it to win it. You know, they're not playing around. Here's my here's my other thought. So we're, we're talking about the elite of the elite anglers on the planet, right? I mean, we're talking about the biggest events being won by it. What's the difference between the guy who wins it and the guy who gets 32nd? Very little, right? Those guys are both really great anglers, right? I mean, they're they're pros. They're they're living the dream. They're obviously fishing MLF or they're fishing, you know, major league or whatever 
national series that they're fishing. There's very little difference between them. There might only be 1% difference between them, right? But that 1% is enough to make that guy be first and the next guy be 32nd. So anytime you put into that mixture, when they're so close in level of competition and skill, you give someone any amount of technology that they can incorporate into their fishing and make it a slight advantage, that makes them first. So if some guy has a little bit better understanding of forward-facing sonar and you're both equal, he's going to be slightly better and that's going to put him in first. I mean, the competition level is so tight and everyone's trying so hard that I feel like that the guys who ha- the guys who get the who have a small amount of understanding more than the next guy, that's what's making the difference with the forward-facing sonars and these guys battling each other. I think it's here to stay. Everybody has it. Um, it's not. I, I I don't see any of the major tournaments saying you can't use it. I mean, I, I, we we got to accept that it's here. Yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. One thing that he didn't mention, and I've read and I've read this before in other posts, but it's a great point. When the Alabama raid came out, it was banned, and the reason why Bassmaster say it was banned because it didn't align with what bass fishing is, or you know, the 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 nature of what it, you know bass fishing is, whatever that means. And I'm paraphrasing; I don't know the exact word. <laughs> the the reason why. Four pricing it hasn't been banned. It's money. That's if you're gonna tell me you're gonna ban the Alabama rig just because it has five hooks and it's gives it it's not really bass fishing, then okay. I, that's that's the biggest case that I can see that is like, yeah, that that's a little bit of a damaging uh that to the to the image of Bassmaster. That is. But so here's the other objective. What happens? But let's go back in time a little bit to when Kentucky Lake was all about ledge fishing when they had summer tournaments. Yeah. What were those guys using to fish ledges? Outside. Side imaging, down imaging, and they were using their fish finders. Now, the same scenario again. They're all equal, but one guy, can he knows how to eke out a little bit better settings on his fish finder. And what does that do for him? That gives him a, just a super slight advantage over everybody else. And he ends up winning the tournament. Those guys were staring at their fish finders all day long. Everyone says it's boring to stare at your fish finder and watch these guys fish. I say the new guys just don't talk enough. The old guys, when they were ledge fishing, they'd be telling you what they're seeing on their fish finder. They'd be talking to the camera when they're making casts. They'd be taught. I mean, they, they would just be entertained. Where the new guys, they need some coaching because they're staring at their fish finder and they're just not saying it, you know, and they're not acting like the camera's on, you know, they're not acting like they're there for entertainment. And I think that's actually some of the, some of the part that we're missing as far as the, the pros go and be entertaining for everybody is that the new guys just aren't entertaining. And, and I think that has a little bit to do with sponsorship money from big companies. Of course, Garmin, Mega Live, uh, all those uh, uh, fish finder companies are going to shell out a little bit more money because they, you know, they want their products to be there. So the most successful anglers, you know, that's the ones that's going to be showing on the TV, right? Because they're going to be constantly being featured there. But also, I think when it comes to bait companies, it kind of devalues their baits because, in a sense, and let me explain before I let you comment on this, what I would think is. If you're a if you're a spectator, you're watching it. You're more 
uh, I guess, vested in the idea of, hey, this forward-facing sonar is working and it's showing how you how they react to the bait. So it kind of devalues the bait. Like all of a sudden now the bait is not just important. <laughs> so I, I, it is, but it, I can see how it devalues and the companies now are saying, well, wait a minute. You know, when you got an angler, it's like, well, this bait didn't work. Well, let me throw this other bait and all that. Then it kind of lessens the value of the bait. Whereas before that, you know, like you mentioned, an angler would catch it and would show the bait. This is how I caught him, you know, versus I tried this, 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 and it works. I to use this. Um, but I, I'm not a spectator of the sport. Dan, I'll refer to you on this one. Do you think, do you get bored with how the product is presented now on TV when you see all these animals just staring at their screens? As a spectator, I'm not talking to you as how, what your experience fishing, just as a spectator. Yeah, I mean, it's like any, any of the Great Lakes tournaments, things like that, where you would watch them. And even if they were fishing 2D, you know, and they were right above them, jigging on them or whatever they were, drop shot, whatever. I think most of the tournaments have become that now. And those are just generally less interesting than you know frog fishing on okeechobee or you know you know like visual baits top waters things like that i mean you know it's 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 a little less entertaining yeah but i think once they this year they'll probably in the mpf mpfl did it like the last tournament of the year i didn't watch it where they actually plug into their unit yes that's a great idea I think this year with all the guys on the Elite Series and probably MLF, they're all going to have to, you know, have that user, yeah, that plug where the cameras can go right into it. So I think that's, you know, just a adjustment they need to make. And, and whenever you're able to see it along with what they're doing, it'll get more interesting. But I, I think I, that's something they're changing. I mean, do, do you think that if those anglers actually talk to the camera, it'd be more than that? You know, because it seems like when you used to watch Greg Hackney, right? And he was staring at his fish finder, throwing a jig. Man, he was talking the whole time. Mm. You know, he'd be like, he'd be like, I'm using this and such and such hack attack jig. And, uh, you know, it's a rubber skirt while he's throwing it out there. I and mean, he would just be entertaining. He would just be yeah. talking. You know, these younger guys, they just sit there and they do this. Mm. Oh, this, that one. I'm like, that's just, to me, I'm like, I'm not, you know, say something. Yeah. You know, talk about what he's doing. Or something. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm all for it facing sonar. Let's. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like talked out, man. Oh, look, the fish is reacting to it. Oh, look. Oh, it, it, there, that's the other thing. There's not that much to say that. Like when you ask, it's like, okay, I'm throwing this. I'm watching it react. I mean, the it's different. I think when you're out there changing baits and explaining, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to this area. This is what I'm targeting because you don't know exactly where the fish are, how they're reacting to your bait. It takes a little bit more of a, uh, intellectual, I guess, uh, advantage to say, okay, well, this, this, this didn't work that work. And I'm not saying about being smart, but maybe having knowledge of the area, having knowledge of the lake and how fish react to it, having knowledge of the species, you know, how a small bass, smallmouth bass angler is going to, is going to know better how a small bass smallmouth bass react versus a largemouth angler. And I'm making that separation. For example, I fish in Texas hardly any smallmouth bass. You know, I don't know much about the biological, you know, reaction of a smallmouth bass as much as I do about largemouth bass. So that that is that 
aspect that is kind of taken away because now you can watch him react on the full French Sona. So, I, I mean, I, I think it does delude some of the advantages of being experienced and knowledgeable with this. You know, that uh, an angler that spent, you know, half a you know, century just learning how to bass fish and learning how they react without being the advantages of seeing and a lot is gonna, definitely going to have an advantage over uh, a new kid that it's only been doing it for like maybe a blanket or so, and if you take the live scope away from, it. I think, I think that's a, a logical conclusion. But moving on to a, another subject, Jacob Fultz's uh, video. My heart goes out to that kid. He made this video where he was, you know, very honest without being disrespectful about how tournament elite tournament business side of it works, and then. I, like, as soon as that video went live, he lost all, if not most, of his sponsors because he made that video. Have you watched has, that video and what are your thoughts on it? Arc Rod's as Bo Dealer. He, he made $7,000 in two years, shows up on the Elite Series, and is expecting sponsors to throw money at him. And he's like, $7,000 in two years? I'm going broke, folks. I mean, you know, he, I, I, I think the whole thing with that is, you know, now we are, you know, before tournament fishing was the only place to me like i'm i'm a tournament angler i'm not going to watch yak pack go fishing or you know some other dude who isn't a pro because they, you know they haven't proven they, they don't have the credentials they haven't proven themselves that they're the best in the country so i'm not going to watch them um you know some of them can be a little a little entertaining my kid likes watching them and sometimes i will but not a john i look back yeah, I don't watch any of that. But they, uh, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, nowadays the the industry is different. If you want to do it on a PKA or pro level, you need to, you know, you are a marketing arm of the company, and the tournament wins just give you the credentials to help you sell product. But you are you're a salesman, and if you're not putting in all the effort that all the other salesmen are, like Jacob Wheeler wins all the tournaments, makes all the videos does ever helps design baits does everything you know he is all the social media out there all the time and you can't it doesn't matter jacob wheeler is working a lot harder than jacob fouts that's that's just like however you want to put it fouts is getting outworked by wheeler i mean you know that that's it and, and that's all there is to it you know it's whatever kind of work it is you're not putting in damn near the amount of effort wheeler or you know Justin Lucas or any of these other KVD, heck, he's retired. He's still putting out everything. So, yeah. yeah. I get the feeling that uh, Jacob Fultz is, and that's kind of what my heart goes out to him. It's, it's somebody that loves bass fishing, always loved it as a kid, wanted to make a career out of it. And that is, he got to ride it at the worst time. Like, if he would have been here 20 years ago, he would have been killing it. He would have had all the sponsorship he needed. He probably would have made it. But we're like, in this intersection where it's not just about tournament, that does help, but it not nearly as having 100,000 followers. And it seems like he doesn't, like, he puts out the video, but that's not what he wants to do, what he wants to do. He just wants to go out there, do great, and make a living out of it. And it, unfortunately for him, that's not what it is anymore. You have to have either a great content creator, or if you're a tournament angler, be a tournament angler and at least a content creator with decent um, exposure. 
and and I get it. I I've made a couple of videos. Every time I go out, I take my drone, I take my GoPros cameras. And once I hit the water, I'm like, screw it. I just want to fish. <laughs> I don't want to make videos. I don't want to talk to the camera. I just I don't want to do anything with technology other than my fish farm. Yet I find myself trying to do it. You know, little short reels and all that. But I totally understand that side of it. Sometimes you just want to go fish and forget about everything else. You got into it because it's a pressure. I got into it at least because it's a pressure relief valve from the chaotic world that we sometimes live in. Now I'm kind of like adding all this stuff that I have to remember that I have to do that it doesn't come naturally because it's not my persona just so I can get, you know, sponsors and stuff like that. I totally get that spot, uh, aspect of it. Kurt, do you have any uh, anything you want to chat? Yeah, I, I do. You know, I, I think you're right. Like, if you would have come into this sport in the previous generation, before, you know, social media became such a prevalent way to yeah. advertise stuff, he probably would have gotten sponsors. But that's when the only media outlets were five channels on your TV, right? Because there was no internet. And, you, and everyone was watching those five channels. So, you know, it, it's just different now, right? Because now the media outlets are YouTube and it's all online. So much so much of what we do is online. Like, I rarely watch regular TV. So it's always something to do with online or I'm streaming something. And that's changed the whole dynamics of how this works. Because before, if you made it to the elites, well, you were one of the few guys that were on TV. So everyone wanted to be on your boat. Everyone wanted their decal on your boat because you were one of 20 guys that were on TV. Where now everybody is on YouTube, right? I mean, everybody's doing this stuff. So now you actually have to separate yourself with good social media if you want to make it into the into the sport of, of pro-fishing, right? You can't just go in and say, hey, I just want to go in and win tournaments. Because yeah. even KBD, right, the most winning angler of all time that I can think of, he put out tons of content, it, it, you know, all the time and still does. Like, like Dan was saying, he's still putting out content. Things have changed now and so many, we have to adapt. These yeah. anglers have yeah. to start adapting and learning that this is just part of the new landscape. You can't get around it. You can't win yourself around this unless you are KVD. And if you are KVD and you start winning that much, guess what? Someone's going to sponsor you and, and and someone's going to pull you aside and say, hey, we need to coach you a little bit and get you making more content. Yeah. And it's just going to happen that way. It, this is just our reality now. Yeah. Like Milligan, he got hit start. It wasn't from winning tournament. It was from his YouTube channel, right? Yes, and it's... It's not even not only hard work, but it's also cost. Like, yeah, Milliken has coleslaw. Coleslaw. He has his video guy. You have, you know, Zaldane, Zaldane, um, Polinek, All these guys. They have a guy or uh, what? Scott Scott Martin. I mean, they have like a guy or a team of guys with them all the time. They have full protection boats. Chase boats following on videoing from the side like Polinick does. This that is a true not only hard work, but the amount of effort that goes into it, but the cost of doing business is much higher from some of those guys and they deserve to get paid more. 
Yeah. And Ty, Colby, you, you hit it on the head when you're saying it. I don't disagree with you on that. It should have known. But I still feel hard. I still feel bad for him just because I totally understand. You know, sometimes you just want to go fish and be a good angler and, and earn the respect and make a living just based on your talent. And you can tell Jacob, not, and I'm not, uh, Jacob Ponce, I'm not disrespecting him. I'm just pointing out. You can tell he's not comfortable behind, in front of the camera. Just, just not his persona. I get it. And the ironic thing is, I'm sure somebody probably told him, hey, you need to make more videos. Put yourself out there. Talk about your frustrations. People relate to that. And as soon as he did, he lost all his sponsors, so most of them, because he did exactly what he was told to do. So that that is just salt on the one man. But one time he actually makes a video that becomes the most popular in his channel, ironically, he loses all his sponsors. So this goes back around the sponsorship, right? And a lot of what we talked about tonight has been sponsorships and what they require and how do we attain them and, and all this stuff, right? And what we have to do for sponsors. This is where it is incredibly important for the competitive angler to understand. Pick your sponsors more carefully than you pick your friends. Yeah. People won't understand that until you're in the game and see what happens when you work with sponsors that are really good sponsors and they're really good people versus someone you just have a business relationship with and you don't really know them and they don't really know you. You get the dynamic changes dramatically. You know, someone lost all their sponsors for making a video or almost all their sponsors. He didn't lose all of them. He lost, you know, 90% of them, right? You know, a couple stayed with them. Uh, six thousand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did, how many days of work is that? Were those sponsors even worth that six thousand? I'm and just putting up a number just because he said he had seven. He had seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, yeah. exactly though. But it, which is not that much, right? Yeah. If you went to work, how long would it take you to make that money versus how much time it, you spent the sponsors? Yeah. But this is where you know having sponsors, picking really good quality sponsors is is really important. Because those are the ones that stand by you when times are good. And they also stand by you when times are bad. Yeah. Or you make a mistake. They still stand by you. They're not just going to drop you uh, because of a, a, some video that you made that wasn't even about them. And it wasn't even negative, you know, about them. Um, I've seen worse things being said on social media than that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's just one of those things that people forget that you know, everyone's just chasing that sponsorship. And this is one of those situations where if he would have picked maybe some better sponsors, maybe they all would have stayed with it. Well, speaking of, shout out Mike at Untamed Tackle. Y'all got the best jigs out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, so don't winding it down. Uh, slip what else can we talk about? What else do we have? What is your plans uh, for next year, guys? Dan, I'll start with you. What What do you got planned for 2024 season? Five Bassmaster events. I'm going to do them all. Are you decided? We're talking about that yesterday. Yeah. Are you going to go at any of the Hobie field? I'm going to do one Hobie on Logan Martin because it's coming here. Uh, really, my, you know, I could either have done six Hobies or five Bassmaster, and it's still going to be absolute limited uh, pre-fishing. You know, I, my wife, they want, we're going to go see, take them up to like a, devil's tower and mount rushmore and stuff like that deadwood and stuff like that this year i went there as a kid so we're going to take the kid up there so that's five days of vacation with a two weekends that's a nine day vacation up there 
So that's five vacation days. So that leaves me with 10 plus two sick days, four sick days, a birthday, and two floating holidays. <laughs> we need to edit this. Is your boss going to watch this? <laughs> I don't look like that is sick today. So right now I'm figured out I got, it's going to cost me 12 vacation days to fish all the tournaments I want to, which is a couple more than what I have to use. So I'm going to figure that out. But uh, let's, I'm going to do them all. But pre-fishing is going to be like one day at most. I'm going to have to land on them. So. Well, you had a great 2023 season. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still going. I'm going to be, uh, we have our statewide tournament that's on top of other trails i'm going to be a fit i'll be able to fish all five of them that that's our like high money tournament in the state and i'll get to fish like a couple of coleman kayak anglers and like five iron city events which is the local club i help run five out of six of those so it's 19 tournaments in total that's like my wish list i sent my spreadsheet i sent to my wife so she was like oh so i won't see you there's like one stretch it's like six weeks in a row and uh so yeah it's it's my way it's all front loaded like there's nothing at the end of the year but uh so my wish list is 19 tournaments we'll see hopefully i'm able to get like 17 i would be very happy i think this year i fished 17 i would be totally happy with that but all the bassmaster events that's the important part and good what about you uh i'm gonna be doing hobie and bassmaster i'm gonna try it as many as i can I haven't dialed in exactly which ones I'm going to because, you know, like I live in the real world, so I have a budget. So I have to like, yeah. pick and choose. I can't just say I'm going to do everything, you know, you're not going to call in sick. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I work for myself. So when I call in sick, I don't make any money. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's a balancing act, you know, and it's also with my wife, right? I made some agreements with her, um, this year going into it that I wouldn't fish every weekend. Right. I wouldn't fit because I did that to you before. Well, like the end of that, you know, six weeks in a row. She's like, I kind of like you. I'd like to see you. And I'm like, I don't like you. I like you too. I want to see you. Not that coming here yet. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, my wife likes me and I like her. So that's good. You know, that's good. Balancing act, you know. But I haven't dialed it in yet, you know, and, and I'll, I'll probably throw in some Kentucky ones. Uh, they, uh, bluegrass kayak anglers they put on some great events and i'll probably throw in a few of those um so we'll, we'll we'll see i haven't worked out my schedule exactly but i'll be doing those two major uh natural trails i wanted to do both of the bos and the bass nation i'm definitely going to try to do at least three or four of the bass nation or bass master bass station for the local one bass masters i'm going to try to do some of the bass nations local at texas which they're going to start their, uh uh in 2024, it's going to be the inaugural season. I'm definitely going to try to do some of those. I wanted to do three of the uh, uh, Bassmaster Kayak Series, maybe four. And I thought I was going to be able to do three of the Hobie BOS, but turns out Sam Raven, 11th of February. I'm not going to be able to Jay, is, is that Gay Pride Parade your thing? No. Yeah. <laughs> just where did I come from? I don't know. Sorry. Ah. <laughs> like, uh, hey, Touche, buddy. Touché. No, it's not. Not that I I don't know what it is. They don't celebrate it here in Alabama. Huh? <laughs> no. Not oh, that there's anything wrong. Oh, yeah. 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 But anyways, uh, 
So what I I wanted to talk to you talk to you about this, Dan, and also Kurt. You seem to heavily favor the all this uh, kayak national trails to go into four minimum four to compete for AOI. Uh, Bassmasters sticking with three. And correct me if I'm wrong. We're hoping oh, it was four last year, and it's going back to three this year. Which is always three. three. And yeah, more like that'll be three then. Because I think that more than anything, people talk about them not allowing motors, but I think that more than anything um, is what really affected their turn their turnouts when they went back to four. Plus the fact that they increased the price, and I'll, I'll make I'll make a my pitch for why I think third is the route to go as far as financially for these trails. Now, I would have said, hey, if OBBOS is only going to, it's going to keep it to four, I'm not going out of state because I don't, you know, I have to travel way too much um, to to be able to do four and I can't do it. But, so I would have just say, hey, I'm just going to fish the two Texas trails and that's it. But if you bring it to three, then I'll say, okay, I'm going to fish, well, I can't fish the Sam Raven for other reasons, but at that point where I didn't know I was, us and Steel was going to get like Sam Raven, my thought was like, okay, you put it into three, I will fish uh, Patman Lake and I will fish Sam Raven. So it's only one time that I really have to travel out of state. And of course, you want to do more than three. You want to give yourself, you know, a couple of outs if you can, but at least, you know, I can make three events. So now I'm thinking, okay, I'm willing to invest on a third one. But if you're going up to fourth, I'm not going to invest on the third one because I'm not going to be able to invest on the fourth one either. Anyway, so why spend my money on a third? And I think ba- uh, Steve Bowens made the right decision when he went to three. I would have not even considered competing for the AOY, especially because Bass Masters only has five trails. When you think about it, they have two close to Dallas and one in Alabama, which would be my furthest one. But I sure as hell ain't driving all the way to South Carolina, and I'm not driving to, uh, to, and I don't think most people are, driving to uh, Susquehanna. And by the same token, those Northeast anglers, they'll, they'll do South Carolina, they'll do uh, Susquehanna, but not all of them. Most of them are not going to venture all the way down, if, if it would have been four, would have ventured all the way to Alabama, and then all the way to Texas. Like, it's not... It, it makes more sense to put it down to three because you're going to get more people to say, okay, I'm willing to make a run at AOY. What yeah. are your thoughts on it, Dan? I know you were against it, but what are your thoughts? I want it to be, you know, if it could be five, it'd be five. And I, I say that because I'm going to get whooped next year. That's fine. I wanted to fill some holes in my game this year. So I fish. I said, I'm just going to fish local. Now, because uh, two years for that, I had done KFL and I was traveling around for that and we won KFL championship and that was great. And last year I filled the holes in my game. I learned a lot, had a lot of success and now I'm going back out nationally. I want to fish against the best of the best. I want to see where the hell I stack up. I want to know how good I, I want to fish against the best at every single tournament. And I, I, I want to know how good I am. And I, I want to embrace the suck. If I suck, I want to learn from it and do everything I can and be better next time. Like, I, I want the challenge of the whole trail. And whatever, like, 
it's the same thing from going from a three to a five fish limit. We're actually talking about it in my club right now. We're talking about going to a four fish limit. And that's because whenever you have three fish limit, if you do really well, you catch three big fish, you can kind of blow it out of the water for other people who instead of four fish, you can space out and, and they don't all have to be as big. That's the way I think about it. It's the same way with, you know, with bass. I have no problem with being three. So Steve, don't get mad at me. Threes, I'm fishing your trailer. Oh, three is totally fine. Uh, I'm not more than you should. I have in many times put my. But somebody that wants to get me with dog out later, you sure piss off, Steve. <laughs> if I'm not upset me here, I, you know, like I, I really, I, I would just rather before, like last year, Russ, he did so good in three of them. He only fished four. He didn't, I think the miss one of them, he didn't fish. He had to do well at the last one. And angler of the year points don't go along with the TOC. So that's another one with Hobie. It's three and a TOC. Yep. Hobie Bassmaster, it's just three. So I would rather it be four because I want everybody to come out and compete. And from my perspective, a guy who hadn't traveled a lot nationally with Hobie and Bass is always felt like the national level people could get a little bit of an advantage off people because off the regular folks, because they're out traveling and going to more events. So if they fished all of them, they would have a better shot at doing well in three of them because they have the other two to drop if they suck. So I, I would I like I want everybody to come out and fish all of them. I want to see, I want everybody to be on an equal playing field. Is is what, what it really boils down to, you know. Good I want you. out of all the events, who's the best? I don't want to have an advantage because I'm going to fish five of them and somebody else didn't. So we're not stacked up. We're not stacked up the same. You, you see what I mean? Before I let you answer, Kurt, just go back on what you just said. I agree with what you said. I think it's a more financial situation. We're not at that level where basketball yeah. is right now or the basketball world is. But there's, you know, plenty of people competing. We're not there yet. So if you do it that way, it kind of like affects, like we saw last year with Hobie POS, but the numbers went, I want to say drastically, but noticeably down from the previous year. Uh, there can be other factors involved, but I think definitely that's going to occur. What do you think? I I'm sorry. Last thing, I, I think, like, that's me saying in a perfect world how I would want it to be. Yeah. I don't want all five to count. The reality of the situation is what you said, that we're not at that level yet, you know, and it, it doesn't make financial sense to make. Steve is making the right decision. I just, in a perfect world, want to go apples to apples against everybody fishing the trail next year. That's it. Fine, Dan. You can have the last word. Can we let no, I, I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kurt. Go ahead. Sorry about that, Kurt. Oh, no, it's all good. I like to hear it all, man. You know, I agree with a lot with Dan said. You know, in a, in a perfect world, it would be five events, right? And, and we would all be able to fish every event. But, you know, these tournament directors, as AJ and Steve, they have to make some tough decisions, you know, on, yeah. on how these things are going to lay out. And the bottom line is, is they're not going to make everybody happy. There's going to be yep. someone who's going to do a video and he's going to be like, oh, I got robbed or I don't like this. I don't like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it being three. It makes it a little easier for someone like me to possibly be able to get into their championships. Um, because, you know, I I probably will, will only be able to do three Bassmasters. You know, I mean, that's how it's looking for me right now. I can't, I haven't learned everything off yet, but 
you know, so my chance is going to be like in those three. That's all I got. You know, I'm not going to have the chance to fish all five and drop two. But with three, I get a chance to go. If it was four, I'm, you know, and, and my schedule didn't allow me to do four, I just wouldn't be able to go. So I'm okay with it being three. I mean, it, let's face it. This is still a working person sport. The yeah. 90, you know, the, the elite anglers, and I'm doing that in parentheses, are all, almost all of them have day jobs, except for like two or three people, maybe. Maybe two or three people. We all have day jobs. You know, I don't know anyone besides a couple, and we all know who they are, who don't have those day jobs, who have the ability to travel and just, you know, just do all the tournaments. So, you know, th this fits into that working person's perspective. Well, guys, that's, I think that's about wraps it up. Anything last words before we head off? Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Steve, please get him on your post app. No, but seriously, before we, we, we close out, we want to thank you again for an amazing um, year. You know, you guys, everyone that watches, listen, likes our posts, comment on our posts, um, on social media, we really appreciate it. We we love this, not because we're making money out of it, but because we really enjoy it. And we hope it goes to the point where <laughs> where at least we can get some some stuff that we can start doing giveaways and kind of pay it back to you, the community that support us. We're very thankful. Again, if you listen to us our, on our MP3 format, whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Uh, if it can be a five-star review, yes. If it can be a five-star review, we not a bad one, but even better. Not a bad review. Not a four-star, not a two-star, not a three-star review. Really help out with the growth of the podcast. Share our content. Um, remember, you can follow us on Facebook, um, Instagram, what else? Uh, YouTube. Um, you can check out our episodes. We have a live show every, for the most part every Thursdays. And we have the Advanced Kayak Angler with your host, Dan Perry and Kurt Smith, where you can learn a lot. Wealth of knowledge is shared on that podcast with both of these gentlemen right here and their special guests for each episode with a breakdown, bait or technique or something that's definitely going to improve your bass fishing experience. So on behalf of each and every one of us, thank you for your support. Dan, are we going to still have one more show for you or are we done with all the shows? That Jill January. I so January we'll start back up. Let me look at the calendar and compromise myself for you. When are we going to start back up? So we should start backing up the first week of January. Uh, we'll have January 3rd will be the first episode for the Advanced Guy Angler and January report about with and, and we do that because listens go like way down yeah. during during December. So it's nobody's watching anyways. So And you can listen to our any episode that you haven't listened to. Yeah. So catch up. Yeah, catch up. Thank you guys. Anybody anything else? You guys want to plug in your sponsors? Your own personal sponsors? Alright, got one, Kurt. Uh I'd like to thank uh Hobie. Uh, fishing online, um, uh, now we Jim. Nothing. It all comes around. I, I want to thank Maui Jim for everything that they've ever done for me. I appreciate those guys. They protected my eyes for years. Um, I can't really thank them enough for everything that they've done for me. Also, I, you know, I just remembered, you know, Miller Tech's been a big sponsor of mine too. Batteries powering me. Um, those guys have been great. 
you know, it, it, thank everybody. Thank all the listeners. Thank for, you know, thanks for all the anglers. Thanks for these opportunities. Well, I mean, that's, this, this is the time of year to be thankful, right? Yeah, that's right. And everybody that commented, Albert, uh, Little Puck, Cold Dakota. Uh, Ty, I, I, hope you're, I, hope, I hope your wife's doing good, Ty. Oh, what happened? Well, uh, she, well, I mean, it's on Facebook. She's okay. She's been battling cancer. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Ty, uh, hope everything is doing well. If you're watching or if you listen, uh, Ty, I hope your wife's doing well and does better. Uh, prayers and thoughts and prayers definitely, Ty. Cold family. Wolf of Walmart, thank you so much, man, for joining us. Everybody that commented, thank you. I'll leave you with that. Have a great night. Peace out. Wear your BFDs, everyone. <laughs>